When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Steady hands at Jerome, driving on Culver. Chief Hunter takes Owens away from that post area. He does. Over to Hunter. Big second half. Don't have a center on the floor, so to speak. Jerome, what a shot from the corner. Oh, what a pass. Nylon complimented. Pass to Jerome with two. One to shoot. Fade away. That's a big one. Inbound throw, looking for something. To the corner. Culver shot blocked by Key. And we have overtime for the national champion. I think I said to him before in the locker room, I said, you guys face pressure that no team in the history of the game has faced, well, really all year, but but uh, being down 14 against Garner-Webb, I said, and you did not panic in that moment, and you fought, and you found a way out. I said, that, I think, has prepared you for this moment to be able to handle the pressure or the, the intensity of a national championship game, and these guys stepped up. Forgot about that, that they were, they were down by 14 to another 16 seed just three weeks ago. Yeah, they almost did it again. But instead, won a championship, and then they, uh, yeah, they moved on to the to the championship. That was fun last night, boys. We got we got a tournament that I thought was going to be boring and not great. Got two good games. Yeah, well, was, well, it, was it fun be, until the last five minutes of the game? I thought, yeah, I because I, I wasn't all okay. that I don't want to be the rain on the parade I would make here to start a, well, the no, show. You're, you're, you're talking. To I'm a guy, Mr. Negative. You're talking to a guy who came off the Peyton Manning second Super Bowl and, and spent the first hour saying he should retire. Actually, I have. I have. I have a text thread among my friends from back in high school. There's like six of us, and they were hating me last night because they were enjoying the game, and I was just like, "This is boring." No, I, I think you missed the point until the last five minutes when things got no, entertaining. I think you're wrong. They accused I me think of you're trolling. Really, they yeah, accused I, me of trolling I think the text you're thread. I, the first half last night was not fun. The first half was sort of the grinded out sort of football as basketball. What, what was it? Like at the first TV timeout, it was 3-2 to two or something. So the first 20 minutes of that game were not very good. But I, I would say the last 25 were, were fun. I, I'm not trying to say it was the greatest game played. But considering what my expectation was, I thought the second half and OT were fun. Yeah. So I one thing stuck out from that game. I want your guys' thoughts on this. Tell me if I'm overreacting to this or not. One thing it was it was we we put on an amazing event here in the Twin Cities. Pat ourselves on the back. The Final Four looked to be a buzzkill off the off the start. It turns out that we had three fun close games. Uh, the endings were 
were fun and tightly contested. And the thing that stands out the most to me last night wasn't one shining moment. It was one shining abuse of replay. <laughs> Is that the way we want replay to dictate outcomes going forward? Did they because get the call right? For a hundred years. When did they when did James Naismith first put a peach basket up on a pole? Like in the early 1900s? You want me to Google it? Can you actually yeah, Google we, that real quick? We could find it out. I'm sure Jim Nance would... called the game, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Hello, did, did Jim Nance give his his, uh, his tie to some kid in okay. like 1814? 1891. Just quickly. 1891. Quickly. Okay. The best part of last night, without a doubt, is is Nancy is talking to Bennett on the stage post game. right? You know, amazing story here last year this you know and tony is really really good and smooth and so tony's last line is yeah jim my dad told me that if i won the national championship we would go and golf augusta you can make that happen right jim nance ended that thing so fast yeah. like tony bennett had asked for his firstborn he's like uh yeah okay now let's yeah. go to that's, uh, that's how hard it is to get into yes. augusta that tony bennett can ask jim nance tony bennett of all people just won the national championship and he could ask jim nance that on national tv and jim nance is like i don't think i can pull that off I don't think I can do it. You saw like four Augusta white haired suits. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that interview right now. <laughs> or you'll lose the rights to the master. Right. They're one year contracts, Jim. So you said 1891 is the first 1891. year that we yes, put sir. a peach basket yep. on, on, a, on a pole of some kind. Okay. Right. Yep. And I don't know what the basketball looked like in 1891. It was square. It was square? It was square, yes. But was it really square? No. Okay. No, I'm being an idiot. <laughs> it was, hey, this thing doesn't bounce. This game sucks. Can you imagine the dribbling? Because whether it was square, whether it was an oval, whether it was round, if somebody in James Naismith's group was holding that ball and somebody else came out and swatted the ball out of his hands for 100-plus years... I get the ball back. You swatted it out of my hand. It went yeah. out of bounds. I get the ball back. Right. But now that we get to slow it down to like the knuckle hairs on the back of your pinky, we see that, oh, actually, since 1891, when a ball is being swatted out of your hand, technically it grazes your fingers last. Therefore, All right, got, everything we've known about well, that play. I got a question for you. 1891 is then. wrong. I've got, I've, cause I, I've got the perfect comp. The perfect comp to what you said is offside on hockey goals. For years and years, we had guys, and it's a split second thing. And there's, there's different permeations to that rule that I didn't know about until this became a replay issue. And now you have non goals where for a thousand or a hundred years, you had goals. So my question to you guys is do you want to get rid of that do you want to get rid of that particular play on replay cuz I can give you hockey offsides I can give you a guy who slides at second base foot pops I tag him for 100 years he was safe now he's out so so the very simple path I would go down is do you want to get rid of replay for that rule and Phil your assumption here is that Things were were right and good since James Naismith hung the peach basket. Basketball up on was a pole. perfect in eighteen ninety one. You climb a ladder. There's I mean, not even a hole in the bottom of the peach basket. Technology and advancements in society make things better, and we got this call right. Whereas in the past we would have gotten it wrong. Like people died of polio for a long time yeah. too before we figured that out. Coca Cola was cocaine. Exactly. There we do things wrong for long periods of time as 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 humanity, and then we get technology, we get advancements, and we fix it. 
they gave the ball to the team who should have had the ball last night, the team who didn't touch it last before it went out of bounds. I mean, that's isn't that what we want? Don't we want the right if, calls? If I come up and I slap the ball out of your hand and it goes out of bounds, yeah, in real time, and that's what it looks like in real time. If we're playing like at the park or at the Y, no, like or on national TV for a championship, okay, I'm I'm good with a happy medium here. I'm good with what did it look like at live speed and. To what degree do we really need to slow it down to take another look? I'm actually to that point with some of these calls in basketball, based the the, the sliding um, pop off the bag thing in baseball. Like, right. what did it look like in live speed? Like, if you were to watch that replay back in live speed, like you guys can take as many looks as you want, but it's going to be in live speed. So go ahead, like you can watch it a hundred times, but you're going to watch it at the same speed that you were watching it when you tried to officiate it. That call doesn't get reversed, and I would have been more okay with that. Then, oh God, it might have grazed his pinky as it was going out you of bounds. You would be, but but as Chip said on Collar's show, the problem is that that if if what you're talking about, Phil, had taken place, the big talker today among many would be, oh my God, they had replay and got it wrong. No, so, but, so but we would, is, but we wouldn't have. I guess if they they would have shown the the live speed replay to all of us is what I'm saying. I don't like my grand point here is I felt dirty watching that call go the way that it did. Because that's not the spirit of replay. When we when we were crying for more advanced replay five or ten years ago, we weren't sitting here saying, "Oh yeah, like on these real ticky tack plays." It was more the egregious ones. It was blown perfect game at first base. It was oh man, like that was clearly swatted off the back of some guy's head. That's why PIs now because yeah. because player flew across field and took out receiver, and now we said the without that. We are not talking about that rule at all right right now, but because that Saints Rams game got so screwed up, we now we're now going to have replay of something that's going to be interesting and at times a complete pain yeah, in the butt. No, I hear what Rami's saying, which is, dude, it went off his hand, it's like it, right it went off his hand. Yeah, and I just like, and maybe it's because like, I think the, I think you and I have different spirits of replay visiting us because my the, the spirit of replay to me is let's get the call right, let's always get the call right, not just in those instances that you're talking about let's always get the call right and i'll be honest with you there were times throughout my life before we had replay that i'd be watching a game and see a play just like that where the referee automatically and instinctually calls out of bounds on the defender because he slapped it out of the offend out of the offensive player's hands and i'm watching the replay and going yeah he swatted it but it clearly touched the offensive player's hand last why why is that not out of bounds on on the offense i i, I had that complaint for years before they had replay. So I'm I'm glad that we have replay. This is exactly the spirit of replay for me. And I think that the right team got the possession there on that call. And we got a just outcome in that basketball but game. But did it make you think, because this is the second thought I had, which is, holy cow, do we have to review literally every play that looks like that in every basketball game? Like, where do we start to draw some of these lines? Do it Because that play happens... All the time. 15, 20 times mm-hmm. in a basketball well, game? And you can't Are all of them the wrong end, right? forever? The, the rule is you, you don't even review that until, I think, the last two minutes of regulation or overtime, right? So if that play happens with, you know, 16 minutes left in the first half, it doesn't get looked at. I guess my I guess my question is, what should we be looking at? What shouldn't we? Should we look at everything? Um, and, and to go back... To what Phil said, and I think this is the most important thing, to realize that replay is in place, not because ticky-tack calls have been missed, they're always going to be, replay's in place because of egregious misses, in every case. 
You show me, you show me replay in a sport, and I will tell you the egregious call that caused that to be put in. It's never been like, well, that there was a really close play at the end of the NCAA yeah. championship game, and we had re- replayed because of that. It's almost always egregious misses that then trigger us to go to this format, and then and then we start to say, let's add this, let's yeah. add that. I think I, I just it just felt like, you know, there there's what was the black and white call, and then there's okay, what's the spirit of this? And I felt like that overturn violated the spirit. But Rami's comeback will, will be, and I'm like, now I'm defending your point for you. <laughs> no, it is a black and white call. Who touched it last? Right. And I'm saying, if you have to slow it down to that speed to find out who touched it last, we're opening up a Pandora's box. Replay. But we're going to do this, like, let's keep going down this path. Then we're going to open up eventually and say, well, wait a second, those plays early in the Second half are just as important in a close game for the championship. We've been playing a three-week tournament. Yeah, but we have to also insert pra- practicality into this scenario that you're playing out now, and it's not practical to replay every time this happens and, and having four-hour college basketball games. But we said that already home- a 65, 60, 67, 65 basketball game by the end yesterday, and I was bored to tears until that three-pointer fell and tied it up. So I don't need 100 replays. That's going to make the game not enjoyable to watch. But at the same time, in crucial spots like that, yeah, get the call right. But we've said that about baseball, right? Okay, let's do home run replay. But it's not practical to review all these different things, right? Because Lord knows we don't need baseball games to be 30 minutes longer. What happened two years later? Uh, Let's start reviewing fair foul down the line. And okay, now let's start reviewing uh, whether, uh, you know, bang, bang, play at first base. But you could take things out, too. Like, you you could easily go back and say... We will no longer look at a foot pop on second base. We just won't. So you don't. So don't come out and ask us to because it's out now. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that you can't review a play, but that does mean that if you think a guy's foot slipped off the base and, and that your shortstop tagged him, that's done. That's out. You could take things out. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Offsides in hockey drives me nuts because we will spend so much time looking at did it was his skate across and did, did he lift his skate and at the end I'm just like let's just let the goal go yeah yeah so I don't know and who knows like I you know does Texas Tech really win the game if they get the ball back but in I thought that, that was a fun game it it wound up being a much more fun Final Four than any of us could have predicted when you saw the list of teams that was coming to town and then of course when you saw that. Forget about the list of teams, like the style of play of a couple of the teams, including Virginia. And well, that, to Virginia, that like matchup Virginia, last night was not. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And in, in general, I mean, Super Bowl last year, Final Four with U.S. Bank Stadium putting on a show. I think. Uh, Didn't you predict that WrestleMania would be coming here it, soon? It will for sure. Down? It was going to come. So. It was supposed to come here a couple of years ago, but they. I think the Vikings in some hype video leaked it on accident. I think Lester Bagley talked about it yeah. on Vikings.com, and you, you said Vince is very Vince proprietary and yanked yeah. it out of here. Even like Charles Barkley was proclaiming his love for <laughs> Minneapolis all over the place. You guys catch that? Charles Barkley at the Katy Perry concert. <laughs> it's so funny. Just trolling, trolling the whole Minnesota crowd. Do we have that, Jonathan? This is so good. So tell us about how it's been for you this week. Think about it being here in Minnesota. Well, I want to thank Minneapolis, Minnesota. You guys have a great, great city. Woo! I want to thank y'all for a great weekend. I have a been here for a long time. Uh, because Timberwolves suck. <laughs> <laughs>
in case you had a hard time hearing that through AM radio and you know, it was a grainy TMZ video on YouTube, Charles Barkley on stage at the Katy Perry concert saying, thank you so much, Minneapolis. It's great. I haven't been here in a long time because the Timberwolves suck. Like, that's going to be the gravestone of Minneapolis as a city, right? It was a great waterfront city, but the Timberwolves sucked. It'll be part of it. And that wasn't the only time that Minnesota found itself in the crosshairs of Charles Barkley. Well, fake Charles Barkley was this on Saturday. Did you guys catch Saturday Night Live? I did not. Kenan Thompson as Charles. Kenan Thompson doing anything is hilarious. But Kenan Thompson's Charles Barkley is one of the best things he did. And he did a uh, Final Four weekend recap for Saturday Night Live this week. Oh, my button bar's not working oh. for some reason. I'll let you know. This is a Charles Barkley. Yeah, Auburn. Woo. Auburn lost by one. Why are you so happy? Because they covered the spread, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said it was fun to see my school in the Final Four. They said it was going to be historic. I said, yes, it is. They said it's going to be a party. I said, you're damn right. <laughs> they said it's going to be in Minneapolis. I said, y'all have fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Minneapolis, man, that's a crazy place, Michael. The only thing black in Minnesota is toenails. <laughs> <laughs> They ain't got no beach out there. They just got a big old lake. They lake people, Michael. <laughs> lake people are shady. The only thing worse than lake people is river people. <laughs> river people come at you like little beavers. <laughs> The only thing black in Minnesota is toenails. <laughs> That's outstanding. That's a great line. That is an outstanding line. Uh, but I'm I'm proud of our of our city. These last two big events, you never know. Like weather's been a little. We've we've been like close enough to terrible weather, but gave them 62 degrees and sunshine mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah, I was going to say we're going to before tomorrow. They're going to give Thursday? us a whole yeah. lot starting on Thursday. It's just really going to happen tomorrow. Are we really getting feet of snow? It depends on what the temperature is. If the temperature is below like 34 degrees, yes. I believe the Channel 5 Eyewitness News forecast is down to like um, 2 to 4 tomorrow and then more on Thursday, but they can't tell yet. It was a year ago this time. Yeah. We had an April snowstorm that snowed me in here. I got bad news. The, not unheard of. The twins won't be playing on Friday at Target oh, Field. Do they not have a retractable roof? They don't have roof? a roof on oh. that place. And yeah, it's going to be, as I've always said, that you know what? Silly. Dave St. Peter retractable roof would make perfect sense to me. <laughs> I mean, why there's not a roof on it, I don't know. I was like, I was watching Twitter this weekend, and I was like, is that Audie Murphy, like, in World War II fighting off Germans, or is that Rami fighting off in the retractable roof? Dude, it was a war zone Friday night, and then I sort of, you know, I got got out. I told Judd, I'm exhausted. I literally, like, passed out on my couch mid-tweet, because... There should be more. Room. I started one, so so we we went back and forth on that one, yeah, which which started a war on my timeline, and and then I started a war because uh, cousins and, and Mahomes were both oh, at the yeah, game on right. Saturday. And you tagged collar, in that. and so I tagged collar, and I said, "Man, the cheers for Patrick Mahomes are way more substantial than they are for cousins." And I tell you what, Vikings fans now who still like Kirk, they got some foul mouths. What a troll job. Though. I've never seen more F-bombs in my... The, See, the best last night, Mahomes... So so Mahomes was followed along for this entire trip by his buddy, Travis Kelsey. So they show Patrick on the Jumbotron, right? And he's like flexing his... And to his right, 
Kelsey takes a full beer he just yeah. bought and slams it. Every that time Travis Kelsey's on camera, he had he's a tall gen- boy and was just chugging. He's genius because he he's a superstar. <laughs> he's new Gronk. He's trying to be the new Gronk. Yeah, he is. But but he hangs out with with the guy who's like ten times the star that, that he is. So he largely gets away with whatever he wants. He's doing and, the same thing Gronk did. Yeah, it's great. I mean, only one of those two guys had a reality show. Okay. Did you guys ever watch the Travis Kelsey reality show? No. <laughs> yeah, he had a dating reality show two years ago. A date? Like he went on dates? Yeah, like the whole thing was, I mean, it was like The Bachelor, but on one of those, I don't even know what channel it was, like Bravo okay. or E. So he was The Bachelor, essentially. Yeah, like a knockoff sort of diet version of it. Here, let me find it. Travis Kelsey reality show. Was he drunk the whole time? I mean, he was buzzed a couple times. Oh, it was called Catching Kelsey. Yeah, 50 women from 50 states. And he whittled it down to one love who he was with for like five minutes. And I was now, he's, say, now he's back yeah, he's on the like, no, that's not how, many, how many seasons of this were there? Because that's brilliant. One. Oh, okay. If you just keep on coming back for season after well, season. That's what Brett Michaels did. That's brilliant. <laughs> you remember that show? Yeah. Brett Michaels' uh, but, Rock of Love where he, 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 he the re, season one was need to find the love of my life. Right. And then, like, season one was over. and Looking for shortly, a groupie to go on the road with me. Right. <laughs> shortly after that, it was, oh, season two, Rock of Love. And it's like, well, what happened to the first gal? And then they did, like, a 30-second explanation. Oh, it didn't really work out. Here's, here's season two. But that wasn't, I don't know, not, not, not necessarily the greatest prize on the line for Brett Michaels. I don't know what Travis Kelsey was working with, but I wasn't all that impressed with the uh, the Can't cast, you missed the, the show, Robbie. the cast of uh, Brett, My- the Brett Michaels reality show. Well, I've told Judd the story one time because that show was at least ten years ago. Oh, easy. And yeah. uh, I was, I found myself in Las Vegas when I was much more ingrained in the poker industry. Uh huh. And there was a private party at Sapphire, which is it's billed as the world's largest strip club, mm-hmm. like outdoor pool, and okay. it's all just like I'm interested. You know. All right. And um, and so I was sitting in the the little bar lounge area and all of a sudden and there's just like there's ladies of the night walking all over the place and this gal plops down and sits in my lap and just doesn't say anything just like she was clearly working there right sits in my lap and we just kind of we stare at each other for three awkward seconds uh-huh. <laughs> and i think she was just waiting for me to like give her a 20 i don't know sure but i looked at her and i was like as is customary very familiar I said, were you on Rock of Love season three? <laughs> yeah. Frenchie. Frenchie. I remember, I think, I remember the name so Frenchie. Had, I can't put a face every word was a Z on the end of it. Oh, this is good. Thank so God. we literally sat there and I just asked her questions about the show for probably 20 minutes. Did you tip her? No, I didn't <laughs> give her anything. You never gave her a 20? No, I didn't give her anything. Oh. Come on, I wasted her time, but she told me. So she, I, I don't even know if I asked this or if oh, she told no, me. I, I wouldn't have tipped her. She said she makes over a hundred twenty thousand dollars in cash at that what? at that club. Yeah, I don't know what? why she offered that up, but I remember her saying that specifically. Oh what? no! What? Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. Can I see the picture? It's been ten. It's been a while. <laughs> Let me just say this: you might have been pretty drunk yourself when you had that conversation. What, wait, why did I need to be drunk? I was just I wanted to know about the show. I'm I wasn't little, interested in her I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit concerned by Frenchie. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, everyone's got a story. Hey, Royce. <laughs> Ma- <laughs> Royce, yes, they do. Royce Smalley's Royce Molly's got a story, not like Frenchie's. Let's talk some Twins baseball with Roy when we come back. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Luther Brookdale Toyota. They've got a story, too.
A story about RAV4s, one of the best, most popular cars on the planet right now. Right now, you can lease a brand new 2019 RAV4 for just $299 a month with $1,500 down. Uh, $299 a month for one of the most durable and uh, comfortable SUVs in the world right now. It's the spaciousness of an SUV and the handling of more of a Camry and a Corolla. Uh, also, a 2019 Tacoma Double Cab 4x4 with sport package for $369 a month, $1,500 down. And if you're looking for a Highlander, you can get into one of those, either a $1,750 rebat, uh, I can I can speak English, really, or a 0.9% interest. Again, $694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Jeb with Rami and Frenchie. Baseball. Glenn Perkins on baseball. Baseball. Roycey on baseball. Baseball. And the Score North Twin Show. <laughs> An incredible lineup of twin shows. Available on scorenorth.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Let's talk baseball. Just search Score North Twin Show on Apple or Spotify or download the Score North mobile app. Roy Smalley is brought to you by Doug's Power Equipment in Blaine. All right, it's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North, and uh, Roy Smalley has been an awesome weekly guest with us for uh, for a number of years here. And Roy, I think, I mean, I get, I get worked up over things on the show about baseball, but I was sitting in my living room watching the home run that Reese Hoskins hit off Jose Barrios, and I got irrationally mad at that ballpark and irrationally <laughs> mad at physics. I mean, it was, a, it was what, an eight or nine pitch at bat. It was a beautiful breaking ball. Reese Hoskins was out, was out on one leg with, like, his body hunched over, gets the barrel of the bat out with one arm, and because it's a foam booth of a ballpark, Barrios takes the loss. Yeah, all of those things are true. Um, <laughs> and I would just add that um, uh, Reese Hos- Hoskins is a terrific hitter, very strong young man, and hit uh, almost the identical home run earlier uh, in the series. Um, it, and so it's not like he's not going to do that a bunch uh, this year. Really felt like it was one of Barrios' best um, outings. Uh, I thought even better than, than opening day against Cleveland. And the only thing that I, the, the only issue I took with him at all was not, certainly not the home run, uh, although you can nitpick about whether he even should have pitched to Hoskins at all uh, with uh, Real Muto on deck hitting 174, but that is nitpicking. I, the big problem was walking the leadoff hitter to start the sixth inning, to start the third time through the lineup. It's going to be tough anyway, third time through, and uh, walking McCutcheon was, uh, was really unfortunate there, but he pitched great. Now, Roy, the difference between Phil and I is simple, because I watched the same thing on my couch, and I thought to myself, there was a price of admission duel between two great players. It was fun. I And, and I, I know the Twins didn't win it, but when I watched that, I mean, how many times in the last five years have we seen an overmatched pitcher give up a home run, and you're like, oh my gosh, okay. But this was Burrios Hoskins. I thought it was fabulous. As a it baseball was, fan, I loved it. Yeah. it. It was. It was really very, very good and, and fun to watch. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is that, uh, not the problem, but uh, another piece of that is that uh, Barrios hung him two breaking balls before the, he hit the home run. Two of the balls that were, uh, were home run pitches just served up there and said, here, see how far you can hit this one. So the band box that they play in should not have been an issue. I mean, he could have hit those balls five feet, and he didn't. He fouled them off. 
And uh, at that point in time, you know, I, I just I just wondered if he if the idea shouldn't have been okay. I'm going to throw a curveball that's he's either going to uh, swing and miss it by a foot, or he's going to take it for ball four, and I'm going to get Real Muto. Uh, I just felt like he he was starting to lose command of that breaking ball just a little bit. He had struck uh, Hoskins out twice with it with a pitch that Hoskins hit for a home run. Uh, Put it another three inches uh, down and a, and away, and it's the same exact pitch he'd got. He's gotten him twice on already. So, at some point in time, you have to tip your hat to a a really good hitter. And I I agree with you, Judge. It, it was a, just a classic uh, at bat. Talking with Roy Smalley here on Mackey and Judd with Rami. And not just that at-bat I thought was was worth the price of admission, but I thought the whole weekend series, Friday aside, sloppy baseball and bad weather. But those two games, Saturday and Sunday, A, just really good, entertaining baseball games. And that's a really good baseball team that the Twins hung around with and were a unlikely Roy uh, Reese Hoskins home run away and a perfect throw from Andrew McCutcheon from taking two straight and winning that series against a team that's in the World Series discussion. I, I left that series, Roy, feeling as good about the Twins as I felt after the first week where they only had one loss. How about you? Uh, same way. I, I, it, you know, when, when you pitch the way they've pitched, uh, you're going to get games like that. And I, I don't think you can um, overstate how well they pitched uh, Saturday and Sunday because you know both starters and relievers because uh, that that is that's the best hitting lineup uh, that they've seen so far and one of the best that they will see. So yeah, I I thought it was a great. Uh, there's so, so many positives you know take out of that, and this is not silver lining type stuff. I know you want to win the game, mm-hmm. but to but the winning that game aside, winning the division is going to mean Barrios needs to pitch it just exactly the way he has pitched. Uh, Pineda pitching the way he pitched on Saturday, a gigantic plus. If that's indicative you know, of him pitching that well against that lineup, then he's going to pitch against uh, the rest of the American League you know, pretty, w- you know, pretty well. Uh, I just think there's, there's a whole bunch of really good things that, uh, that we're seeing here, and it's too, it's too early to say you know, positive or negative, definitively one way or the other, but so far, so really good. Uh, we love talking hitting, especially with Roy Smalley. So, what are you, what are you seeing in the first week and a half from a red hot Max Kepler out of the gate? You know, as evidence in spring training, and and then uh, you know, I know batting practice doesn't mean anything for the most part, but uh, opening day, I was out watching uh, early watching batting practice, and he is hammering the ball, and uh, and it, a lot of that just comes with. Attitude and um, aggressiveness and approach at the plate, but um, I don't see an awful lot different mechanically with with uh, Max. I think he's I, he's clearing his front side a little bit better uh, so far. He's not locking himself up, uh, diving in at the plate uh, with his stride uh, as much. But mainly, I think it's it's mentality and approach with him. He's up there to to punish it, and he has he has punished it. The thing I like better I like better than the home runs is. Yeah, all the line drives he's hit for either uh, base hits or outs. He's hit a lot of line drives that uh, that haven't counted so far, too. So really good. I don't know if I like the launch angle on those line drives, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Thanks a lot. <laughs> hey, Roy, so, so back to Max for a second. What do you see, because it's probably small and, and subtle things, what do you see when he's going well and, and when he's not? Because that uh, the first series at home, 
he didn't look great. And then he turns around in Philadelphia and and hits the ball very well. What do you what adjustments or what mechanical things do you see even if it's ever so slight changing with Kepler when he does get hot? Okay, I think there are two things with uh with Max and it, you know any hitter doesn't matter who it is is going to go through streaks when he's he's not swinging it well and then and then times when he is and and even the hitter doesn't know exactly what changed an an awful lot. But the the two things that I have seen um, through you know in his years through you know these you know eight games they've played um, he mechanically as I just alluded to he has a tendency in my view I mean I'm not the hitting coach but in my view he has a tendency he starts open with an open stance and anytime you start with an open stance if you then overdo square in your stride back up. In other words, you step in, instead of square to the line of fly the ball more at the plate, you have a tendency to lock yourself up a little bit. It's hard to get to the ball uh, on the inside part of the plate. And uh, that, I, I thought I saw that a lot with Max last year. There were a lot of right-handed fast, right-handers fastballs that he didn't get to that I thought, man, he's too good for that. And uh, those, these guys shouldn't be beating him. I think that's a real subtle thing um, but um, I, I think I think that plays a little bit uh, that into his uh, not going as well sometimes as others. But I think probably even more importantly, what I've seen is uh, just a lack of a real good approach at the plate. Uh, and by that I mean that Max's stated objective, and I've even talked to James Rouse and the hitting coach about this, and, and they both say Max is going to go up there and look for the ball and, hit, and try to hit it, you know, extremely hard someplace. Well, that's great. I, I like that idea as a mental aggression um, I, idea. But so many of the times Max has given away at bats, uh, swinging at um, balls that I can't believe he was looking for early in counts. So if he wants to, you know, he steps up there three games in a row and he gets a fastball, you know, right in the middle of the zone and he hits it, you know, 106 miles an hour, you know, into it. it into the uh, seats. Uh, well, that's great. So then other times you see him take a fastball early in the count and you say, well, what was he looking for? Or you see him swinging a breaking ball or swinging a changeup and making out and you say, okay, he can't have been looking for, for that. He had to be looking for, or, or shouldn't be. I mean, early in count, that's not the, the pitch you, that he wanted. So a, a lot of times I think it's just, just the approach. And that comes with just experience and you know maturity and I, I I mean he's gonna he's gonna get better and better at saying okay this is what I think this guy is gonna throw me and this is what I think I'm gonna look for and I'm not gonna hit anything you know swing at anything else unless it's a real you know mistake and uh, I can do something with it. Roy, I was reading an article today at the Athletic about the the increase in shifts for the Twins this year. They're shifting on about forty eight percent of the opponents' plate appearances, and it seems like a lot of it is mental warfare and and trying to make guys like Jose Ramirez second guess what they're doing in the box and think maybe I should bunt, maybe I should try to go the other way when that's really obviously not those guys' strengths. How much do you think the increase in shifts has has helped the pitching that you were talking about earlier, and how much do you think that does? affect a batter in the batter's box when, when they start seeing guys moving all over the field? I think it helps the pitching the pitchers the most because they wouldn't be playing there if they didn't have really solid data that says this is where if the guy hits the ball on the ground, this is where he's going to hit it, right? You know, 90% of the time. 
or maybe even higher. So it just makes sense to me uh, that you would that you would do that. I mean, if if a if a guy when he hits the ball on the ground, it goes to the right side of second base 95 percent of the time. Why wouldn't you have as many guys over there as is feasible? And I and I, I think that has helped and will continue to help pitching staffs uh, when you when you do that. I think a, a, a subset of that would be getting guys like the Ramirez is that you mentioned uh, to think about um, doing something that they're not uh, that's not their thing. And uh, we saw him try that against Brios, and Brios uh, threw him out. Every any time I get Jose Marie, uh, Ramirez, for example, not not up there aggressively swinging the bat, I'm okay with that. And so. I don't know if it messes with guys. It probably does. The way for it not to mess with guys, and this is the, the only thing that I would say is, if I'm a hitter right now in the big leagues, then I practice bunting as a left-hand hitter to the uh, to third base, you know, left side of second base, as much as I can. So if I decide to do it, it's not a guess about how to do it. I would I would be pro, I would be proficient at that, and I wouldn't do it all the time. But one thing that I've seen is that it does right now with the shifts, it doesn't take much to get guys out of the shift, get teams out of the shift. All it takes is one guy, uh, one time, you bunt it over there to the left side and get a base hit, and they shift a little bit less intensely, and then you do it again, and they're back to straight away. So, um, I, I would, if I were a hitter, I'd, I'd get. I'd get real proficient at that. I feel like one of the if, if you're looking for the counter adjustment, whether it's for hitters or for organizations to to just to counteract what we're seeing with pitching and shifts. To me, it would be guys who can a make contact more often and guys who can make contact to all different parts of the field, so that you're not you're not just you know pigeonholed to the right side or the left side. And that's where I love Williams Astadio. And I'm wondering, my, I guess my grand question to you with Williams Astadio is. Why are some guys able to to seemingly square everything up? I mean, A, he doesn't strike out. He doesn't walk either. Uh, he just puts the ball in play. And when he puts the ball in play, it's not like you see a bunch of weak choppers. I mean, it's two or three hard-hit ground balls or fly balls or line drives on a game-by-game basis. Why is a guy like him, is it hands? Is it, I mean, what's your read on it? It's everything. The guy can just hit. He just he can just hit. He has a, He has a natural... Uh, and, and both natural and developed gift uh, to uh, hit a uh, baseball on the fat part of the bat, and it's one, it's really really fun to watch. Obviously, um, and part of it is his approach too. Uh, and that he doesn't strike out because he doesn't get to two strikes too often. I mean, if the ball is is somewhere close, he's he's going to make contact. You know, I I think that I think he, the reason he doesn't strike out is because, and this is going to sound like the blinding glimpse of the obvious, but he doesn't strike out because he doesn't swing and miss, or and he doesn't foul balls back, you know, so even early in counts, he's not swinging and missing or fouling back a pitch that you know, that uh, that's a strike that, uh, strikes are put in play, and sometimes <laughs> balls are put in play, but but strikes are put in play. He doesn't he doesn't take them. He doesn't foul them back. He doesn't swing and miss them, and that's why he doesn't strike out. And so it's you know there there will be times when we'll be frustrated. He'll hit it. I would think that he'll hit into a bunch of double plays, and and uh, there will be times when he swings at balls earlier early in counts. And you say, boy, I wish he 
I wish he had taken that one and gotten a better pitch to hit early in the count. But that's just not him, and and so it, it, we're gonna we're just gonna continue. I I, I hope to uh, delight in his just sheer ability to swing a bat, swing the bat. Last thing, sir, help me out with the Twins' schedule because if you're a player, this got to drive you crazy on timing. Everything when when you play two games, you're off. You play three games off. This this. I, I know you get days off in April, so that's not unusual, but this schedule to me seems to be way over the top. Yeah, I agree with you. I really hated this uh, this schedule uh, on behalf of the Twins players. I mean, putting myself in their position, uh, I, I really don't like this uh, this schedule. And, and the, the worst part about it is, um, is Nelson Cruz. I haven't seen a lineup today, but... You know, let's say that, that Rocco decides to put Nelson Cruz in the lineup today. So he hasn't uh, he hasn't hit except for a pinch hit performance, uh, a pinch hit at bat. He, ha- he basically hasn't hit since last Wednesday, and now he's going to go up there and see Degrom. You know, if he's in there, I mean, it's it's it, interleague play is tough enough on um, you know American League teams, I think, and this schedule has been, you know, ha- has not. It has not been conducive to playing good baseball and particularly not conducive to swinging the bats well. So um, it, it, I, I didn't like it much. That's Roy Smalley, the former twin. Catch him on Twins pre and post on Fox Sports North and every Tuesday right here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Always appreciate it, Roy. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. And in cheap plug, too, since we're talking twins here, we have five days a week of twins shows all in one podcastable spot. The Score North Twins show. Mondays and Wednesdays, Royce on baseball on Tuesdays, Glenn Perkins on baseball on Thursdays, and five twins thoughts on Fridays. Anywhere you find podcasts, whether it's Apple or Spotify, just search the Score North Twins show and you will find all five of them in one feed. I will not be on the Score North Twins show tomorrow because I have a very important assignment because I'm a hard hitting news journalist. I'm headed out to Allianz Field for their food tour after I just recovered from the Target Field food tour. Just a couple weeks ago. How do you keep weight off? I work out like a crazy person. You must really work out a lot. (laughs) And I'm not joking. Like like two or three days a week. I just work out until I don't want to move anymore. That's that's how I do it. You're like the Dan Rather of food tours. (laughs) Who's next? Very seriously. Who's next for him? You got twins... Well, United, United tomorrow. tomorrow. Who's next? Do the Saints have a food tour? I bet they do. I hope so. If anybody out there, anybody out there wants me to try their cuisine and get some exposure, does this include pe- people via, that might just call you? Yeah, hit me up. If you, you want Robbie to come to your house and sample your food for a Scornorth video, at Robbie, he will do it. That's how you get a hold of me. Actually, that'd be hilarious. Like literally, if there's somebody out there that just, just wants you to come over to their apartment and like try their hot dish, would you do that? I'd like to see them make it, just in case. There are people You'd also there, like to check their background. There are people out there who probably don't like me very much because of my roof take, and I don't yeah. want to be poisoned. Or <laughs> Rami, <laughs> hey, it's Mackie and Judd. What happened to Rami? Oh, he died. So if I can watch you make it, yeah, I'll, I'll come try your hot dish. That sounded dirty. I'll try your. It's hot a really, dish. Sa- it really did, <laughs> Mrs. Robinson. That sounded really bad. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> All right, let's talk about Certipro here. Uh, yes, indeed, talk about my friends at Certipro Painters. All right, I'm looking around the studio right now, and, and in this building, they are doing a lot of construction, lots of work, and I'm looking around our studio, and there's no construction being done here, and I guess it doesn't need construction, but you know what it could sure use here? 
a fresh coat of paint. That's exactly right. And you know who the people to do it are? My friends at Serta Pro Painters. In fact, they came to my house a couple of weeks ago, and I can tell you right now, they were professional and thorough. I had two rooms done, the bath and guest room, and they look fantastic. I am pleased. My wife is pleased. These rooms, the paint jobs before, they were okay. They weren't great, but they're great now, and that's thanks to my friends at Serta Pro Painters, a business that's independently owned and operated, so it's right here in our community. I urge you to schedule your free estimate online at Serta Pro.com. That's CertaPro.com or by calling 800 Go Serta. Secure your spot now on Serta Pro Painters spring painting schedule. The slots are going to fill up fast. Again, get your free estimate online, CertaPro.com or by calling 800 Go Serta. That's Serta with a C. Serta Pro Painters. We do painting and you do life. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North. Let me get this straight. So, hitter hits a home run off of you. After, by the way, You've gone on the record for years talking about and demonstrating dancing off the mound after strikeouts and doing your thing like backwards walking to the dugout, which I think happened even earlier in the game in question. The Pirates put out, I I could dig it up if you want, but they put out a tweet literally earlier in the day when that fight happened of a highlight film of Chris Archer saying he likes to celebrate, blah, blah, blah. I'll I'll find the tweet. It should be read word for word, but they literally are advertising that Chris Archer is a guy who likes to celebrate his accomplishments yeah. on the baseball field, and it's tagged "Let the Kids Play." Yeah, I mean, "Let the Kids Play" is literally one of the marketing slogans for Major League Baseball this year. Yeah, they put together that awesome was it a two minute video? Ken Griffey Jr. right mm-hmm. showing emotion and bat flips and thumping your chest and Last so in the playoffs, right? Yep, yeah. and so uh, Dietrich is it Derek Dietrich right now of the use of the Marlins Dietrich, but Dietrich. whatever. And this dude hits a ball into the river in Pittsburgh and stood there and admired it for a little bit. For a long time, actually. Like, as the ball was going in the river, he was probably still standing in the batter's box. But whatever. Like, Steph Curry hits a three and keeps his arm in the air for a half hour. Right. You know, players score touchdowns in the NFL and they do celebrations, group celebrations and whatever. And uh, Chris Archer, the next time up, throws a ball behind him, tries to hit him, and gets suspended for five games for retaliation, which is nothing. Like, you don't even miss a start as a starting pitcher. So, like, just if baseball wants to be fun and baseball wants to have more celebrations and let the kids play, and a pitcher with what we thought was a new school like minded mentality decides, no, I'm going to be old school. I'm going to, you better not show me up. I'm going to throw a rock 95 miles an hour at your body. To me, the punishment should be something that says, no, dude, th- this isn't how baseball works anymore. Baseball's fun now, and we want players to celebrate, and we want players to thump their chests and flip their bats because it's part of the game. It's, it's, it's fun. It hasn't been part of the game, but we want it to be part of the game now because we want people to watch baseball and think that, oh, this is a fun, festive atmosphere. So if your response is to suspend him for five games, you're basically condoning the activity. You pushed his start back one day. Right. That's all you did. You pushed Chris Archer's start back one day with a five-game suspension. It should be minimum two weeks, so he misses at least two or three starts. Agreed. My question, when you were out yesterday, was this. What do you do here because of this? If this was old-school baseball guy, pitcher, right? Veteran pitcher. No one celebrates on my watch. Then this discussion is very simple, which is, no, the game's evolving, and actually they do now, So so get past it. But as we're all talking about here, this is a guy that embraces exactly that. It's weird. And so, so he can't, you, li- you literally have to sit him down and be like, Chris, you can't have this both ways. And by the way, we like you having fun. 
So we have no problem if you want to pump your fist. But but this is the same guy, Phil, last year at Target Field who got mad at Rosario. If if you recall, the Rays were shifting, over-shifting, and the third baseman was like at second base, and, and Rosario, to his credit, basically comes down the entire line, which mm-hmm. he can do. And there was a point in that game where Archer went ballistic because of that. Yeah. No, it, you put put a third baseman over there. Exactly. Otherwise, I'm going to walk home. So what do you do with this guy who clearly in one sense gets it and in the other sense has no clue? I have the tweet right here. This was from the Pirates literally minutes before first pitch was thrown in that Pirates-Reds game where they got into a fight because Chris Archer and the Pirates took exception with Derek Dietrich pimping a home run. He's having too much fun, period. He's too excited, period. He shows too much emotion, period. He's our guy and we love it, period. Let period the period kids play period. I can fix period. Fi- I think yes. I can I can fix that tweet with just changing one word. Instead of saying he's our guy and we love it, he's our guy so we love it. Anybody else who does it, we don't love it. Yeah. That's basically what the pirates are saying. And what? you can't, like Judd said, you can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to these unwritten rules of baseball. And I know who this all goes back to. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Archer Although Judd's story maybe changes my mind about that a little bit. Didn't even want to or hadn't planned on throwing at Dietrich in that situation. Clint Hurdle is a baseball dinosaur and one of the biggest knobs in baseball. He's a very smart baseball guy and a good manager. I love the word knob. When it comes to the the management, the chess game of baseball, and he gets more out of his teams. When you look at the talent on paper that Clint Hurdle has had throughout his career as a manager and the wins that he's got out of those teams... Can't take anything away from the guy as a manager, but when it comes to this stuff, this isn't the first incident Clint Hurdle has had, and he's at the root of the problem when it comes to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I would imagine he's what's behind what transpired on Saturday. Actually, can we... Let me me check the clock here, because... Oh, no, we're okay. We we got a few minutes here. Um, It's not as hard to shape your sport as Major League Baseball and the NHL would like you to believe. You know, like the NFL set out and said, you know what? We need more offense. And we just, we, we got to get rid of these headshots. We've got to, we're getting all kinds of pushback on concussions. Games are more fun and people watch more when quarterbacks are dueling and throwing for 300 yards. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of fans who have to swallow hard on this. But ultimately, if we can mold the sport by shaping rules and by shaping guidelines so that offense stands out, quarterbacks are protected. And defensive players no longer are headhunting over the middle, then this will ultimately be a better product. Now we could debate whether it is a better product or not, but they set out and said we want to change the sport to be like this, and ratings are going to go up. And ultimately, that's been the case for ten or fifteen years. They need to write the unwritten rules out of baseball. Well, is essentially what they need to do. Yes, and let me use hockey as an example. So the NHL has a viewership problem. They have a problem marketing stars, and it's it's better now than it was. But I can think like five years ago when Judd and I first started doing this show, and the NHL wanted to get rid of certain things, roughhousing, and they would talk the talk. But then when somebody would come over the middle and give a drive-by elbow or a stick to the face, something completely blatant with a weapon, by the way, the response from the league was eh, eh, two-game suspension. How about like a maybe like a three game or four game suspension for taking a weapon to someone's temple, right? Well, it wouldn't be that hard to get rid of because in the NHL it's well we gotta you gotta police we gotta police each other, right? We gotta have enforcers, and it's not the way it is now. But ten years ago, 
Well, no, if the league would just step up and say, hey, pitchers who throw at hitters, hey, skaters who throw elbows high unnecessarily, it's not a two-game suspension or a one-week suspension. You're out for two months. If you told Chris Archer, dude, you're not playing again for a month. We don't tolerate, A, throwing a rock at someone's body, and B, we want hitters to feel like they can celebrate and have fun so more people watch the sport. If you really wanted that, you would have handed out more than a five-game suspension. And it bothers me. And I love and Chris And you can Archer, celebrate, too. For See, sure. That, and he that's does. the thing yeah. is, but, but let's start here. Can we get rid of the warning? That's what I was just going to say. Just eject him. That's what I was just going to say. But, but the warning is, and, and I get it, the warning ticks off everybody because it now it now sets these rules, but the rules should be, Chris Archer, you would have to be the biggest moron on the face of the earth to think, that ball got away from a guy who just styled a home run, right? It went behind his butt. So there's no like, okay, now it's no, you're out of the game. And then, and then if baseball wants to step in and suspend him, go for it. But you could just start with you're out of the game yeah, this second. Obviously, the the Pirates took exception with it. There were words exchanged when Dietrich crossed the plate and Francisco Cervelli was standing there waiting for him. Yeah. He comes up to the bat the next time. There are literally guys standing at the top step of both dugouts. Jorge Soler was ready to go so long before anything actually got going. So everybody on the diamond and in the dugouts knows what's about to happen, yet the umpire stands there lets it happen, and then says, warning to you, warning to you. Basically, what you just did is say, we're even now. We're even. Everybody chill out. When really you're not even. Those aren't two equal actions. A guy pimping a home run and a guy throwing a rock at his body are not two equal actions. As soon as the words are exchanged between Dietrich and Cervelli at the plate when he makes when he hits that home run, umpire stands on the plate, points to both dugouts, and goes warnings. Yeah. Anybody gets hit, they're out. Can you imagine if Kevin Durant hits a hits a big three with two minutes left in the fourth quarter and pumps his chest and celebrates and high-fives teammates and is emphatically celebrating, and the response is for the opposing team to take a rock or a weapon and throw it no, 90 miles an pick hour. Pick up the like, basketball and throw it at his face because he's celebrating. <laughs> well, that might be right? interesting. <laughs> you got to be hilarious. Baseball, though, is the, the thing that, that we talked about yesterday, and the thing that frustrates me about baseball, is baseball seems to be dipping its toes in, in the water of trying to be cool, but they're not going there. So they're like, okay, we'll sort of do this, but we won't do that. Yeah. It's very simple. You throw at a human being, and it's obviously intentional. You're out of the baseball game. Yeah. Make baseball fun again. Like, but you got to follow through on it. You Not again it. for the first time. Yeah, I don't know. It was fun in, in this country. So you'd have to bring steroids back oh, yeah. or get rid of or get rid <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, you have to have human <laughs> Superman dolls, gentlemen. The Vikings schedule, at least the preseason portion, has come out. Why would you do that? To should, people? We, should we pick the preseason schedule? You guys yeah. want to go game by game? Don't we have to? Aren't we obliged there's by one, law as Sports actually, Talk Radio hosts? There's one thing that excites me about this schedule, and I'm not kidding you 